right now. Uh, certainly, we would love to be together, and we will be, just not yet. God is in the manger. It's a remarkable thought as we contemplate uh, this first Sunday of Advent. God is in the manger. We're living here in this space between the first Advent in time past when God came as Jesus, when Jesus came, and this time in the future when Christ will return. We are on this bridge, as it were, between the already and the not yet. But the time we're in is still full and it's real. It's kind of like a, a whole note, a whole rest rather, a whole rest in the musical score of life. There's this rest. The, the time signature remains the same, as does the melody and the beat. And we anticipate the gratifying parts of the music that has come along thus far. But we wait with some anticipation and expectation, not quite sure what happens next. Where will it go? Where can it go? And so during the Advent season, we turn towards and look down at this baby lying in a manger. But we dare not pretend that we are there and not here in this time, on this side of that significant event. We dare not suspend that we already know now Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So in this Advent season, we also look forward. We look ahead with anticipation, understanding that Jesus Christ will return again. Like He promised. And so we have hope. But He is also here with us now. Emmanuel. And so we're drawn to contemplate what does Advent have for us today where we are, where we live. Our sermon series this Advent season is entitled God is in the Manger. And we're going to explore four facets during this Advent season mystery, waiting, Redemption and Incarnation. This uh, outline was inspired by uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in uh, a little devotional reflections that he had uh, for Advent season. We're going to hear from uh, pastors uh, Garth and Jason during this Advent as well. And I want to begin this morning by asking you this question. Uh, how do you get your information? How does your information come to you? Do you subscribe to some channels? You go online? You watch the news? <laughs> How are spiritual realities made known to us? How are spiritual realities made known to us? In the first century AD, news traveled by foot. 
Epaphras was a friend of the Apostle Paul. And he traveled from Colossae to Rome to speak to Paul. Now, Colossae is in modern-day Turkey. It's into the mainland, east of Izmir. So that would have been about a 2,100-kilometer trip and would have involved at least one or two ferries to get there, crossing water and land. It would be like traveling from here to Vancouver, but walking, cart, etc. So Epi, uh, a convert of Paul's, uh, planted this church in Colossae, in what is modern-day Turkey. And he came to talk to Paul, who is uh, understanding uh, in house arrest in Rome. And uh, he comes to talk to him because the church in Colossae is under attack. They are being um, influenced. They're being persuaded by essentially false teachers drawn away from the roots of their faith, the roots of their doctrine. Uh, It is what uh, Epi and Paul talk about as persuasive speech. That is, um, convincing arguments, well-structured. Uh, it is, sounds fine, but it is ultimately false. And this is where we get the letter called Colossians. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. A way to find it is if you uh, think Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So that's one way to find it, G-E-P and then Colossians. Colossians uh, 2, I'm going to start, uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 1. This is Paul writing to the church. For I want you to know how much I am struggling for you, and for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, And I rejoice to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ. God's mystery. Mystery. Mysterion is the Greek word. There there are two kinds of mystery. There is the kind that is kind of like a secret or a puzzle. Uh, If you think of the game Clue, uh, the board game Clue... Uh, It's kind of like a puzzle where you ask questions, you make uh, deductions, you use logic and the process of elimination to come up with a a solution. That is one kind of a mystery where you solve something and you use logic and so on to to arrive at at a uh, conclusion. The other kind of mystery is one where you simply do not know something. There is something that is essentially hidden from you that you are not really searching for because you do not know about it. It is there, but it is hidden from you, uh, and and, uh, you aren't looking or searching for it. Now, the thing is that we don't have a lot of time or tolerance for that second kind of mystery. 
we're not really interested in that second one. Uh, we like, when I was a, a child, I read this book. It was called Two Minute Mysteries. And I liked reading that before going to bed because um, it was intriguing. And, and, uh, but I was always on the hunt trying to find and listen to the clue and figure it out. Or, or Kate, I have to confess, I've also been watching Murdoch Mysteries on Netflix. So I've been watching some of that. And that's kind of fun too. But this other, this second kind of mystery where there is something that is hidden from us. I'm not even looking for it. We don't have time or, or tolerance for it. In fact, that kind of mystery, and, and it's relative, which is wonder and awe. We've relegated that to the back office of silliness. Children know about wonder and awe. And we somehow leave it to them, thinking that we've grown up and out of it, that we're smarter, we're better now, we have more education. And so we don't really have a great deal of wonder and awe. We're essentially, um, our bellies are full. We're satiated. And our minds are dulled. Our imaginations have a deficit uh, because we are uh, continually barraged by what we sense is the urgent or the immediate or the impossible. But we shouldn't really blame our circumstances only. Because in actuality, this is the way we think. Uh, this is the way our minds think. Uh, we have two systems, that, uh, two, two thinkers, if you will. Uh, Dr. Daniel Kahneman is uh, a Nobel Prize winner as well. And uh, he is a psychologist and professor emeritus at Princeton University. And he calls these two thinkers uh, System 1 and System 2. Uh, I like to call them uh, Jumper and Slow Walker. System 1 is the jumper. It's the one that jumps to conclusions. It jumps to things quickly. The Slow Walker is, takes more times more critical. And the thing about Jumper, System 1 or Jumper is that um, it only works with the ideas and the information it has. It, it, does, it isn't interested in anything else. And our system one jumper has a bias towards favoring first impressions. As a matter of fact, our jumper has complete disregard for the quantity of information we have or the quality of the information we have. In fact, our system one thinker jumper likes to have only a little bit of information because it's easier to assemble a story or a conclusion when there are only a few pieces. But the big problem with our thinker one, our jumper, is what Dr. Kahneman um, calls YZADI. It's an acronym. For, it stands for what you see is all there is. So our fast thinker just thinks whatever we see in the immediate is all there is. And so we can't help but deal with and, and, and come to some conclusions very quickly. Like this space that you are seeing me in right now. You see this space 
and you have already made some decisions. In the, as soon as you started with us this morning, you made some decisions about what this space had in it, and, what it, and, and, that, and you've decided this is it, this is what it looks like, this is what it's, is contained here, and that's all there is. And so we don't really allow for any mystery. We don't allow for uh, there to be something else. But remember the question that I'm working with this morning is, how does spiritual realities, how are spiritual realities made known to us? And I want to tell you that what we need to do is we need to activate our system too, our slow walker. We need to say, hey, slow walker, get off the couch. We need to do some thinking. So if we go back to our book in Colossians, Colossians 2, I want to read those two verses, Colossians 2, 2 and 3. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. God's mystery. That is, Christ himself. So Christ himself is the mystery. But how does, how do, how does Christ arrive? How does he come to us? It is this, Christ is this mystery that people were not really looking for. It was hidden until he arrives. And how does he come to us? And for that, we go most appropriately to Luke. Luke 2 how is he made known to us? And here is this Luke 2, uh, verse, starting at verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you, for you will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those who he favors. So what is actually happening here, God's mystery who is Jesus Christ himself, he is made known to us because he is given to us. He comes to us. He is revealed Apocalypto is the Greek word for revealed. Spiritual realities are revealed to us. And so it is at this moment that they announce where the Christ appears and then the announcement is made and is revealed. And in fact, even for Mary and Joseph, it is this birth of this baby that brings all of this that they've been hearing about to reality. And it's a mystery to be sure because there were no priests or theologians in Bethlehem at the manger. There were those who observed this holy theology being birthed, if you will, on bended knee before this glowing divine baby. 
And it was a baby, to be sure, birthed from a woman. And yet not through the usual way of uh, intercourse. A divine chromosome was supplied in this case. It is a boy. And so this baby is fully human and fully God. A mystery. A mystery to be sure. In fact, Jesus Christ, Paul exclaims that Jesus is God's most full, complete, and primary mystery to be revealed. And we go earlier into uh, Colossians, the chapter 1 of Colossians, where Paul, in his letter, he occasionally, uh, he preaches. <laughs> He's writing, and then he preaches, and then he keeps writing. And so in chapter 1, verse 15, Paul writes this. Now remember that he is writing to the church who is being persuaded or being influenced by plausible arguments. And so what does Paul do? He comes back to the central message. He says in verse 15, he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created. Things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Oh, wow. Wow. He is the beginning, he is the middle, he is the end. He is unique in all the universe. He was there at the beginning, he was before creation. All creation was created through him and for him. In the present, he holds all things together. He is like the fascia of the universe. Which means that there is this cosmic battle in the invisible realm. And he is holding all things together. When there is good in the world, that is because he is present. He is holding things together. And we cannot see all that is in the cosmic world, the invisible world. But we see the effects of it, similar to how we see the effects of wind. It can guide our sails. It can also destroy a house. He is holding all things together. And he is in the future. He is also... The ultimate place where followers of Jesus will be with 
him, reside with him. It is as though when we die this earthly death, we go to live the life after this life with him until that life after that life has come when he returns. He is the beginning. He is the middle. He is the end. It's a mystery. And what Paul is saying is that Jesus Christ is the first primary ultimate mystery of God revealed. But then he is also, Paul says, the treasure. That he is the treasure He holds the treasure of all spiritual knowledge and wisdom. Jesus is the treasure of all spiritual knowledge and wisdom. He sustains life now and for eternity. This is what is being revealed. This is how spiritual realities are made known to us. It is through Jesus Christ. This is our slow walker now thinking and realizing and coming to this reality. I know the time that we're in. We're in Advent, but we're also in the throes of a pandemic. And conflict abounds. And we have this brokenness that is real for all of us. We see the brokenness. System two, come on and see. Look and see what is there. The deathliness, the sickness, the heartbreak. But there's also a yearning. For, 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 there's a hope that will not be squelched. There is there's a sense of a need for purpose. And friends, that is precisely why Jesus came. He came here. And being found in human form. Because he came to redeem the whole person, the whole of humanity, all of creation. And there is more to life than initially meets our eyes. And the spiritual truths come to us as we go to Jesus Christ. The spiritual wisdom and knowledge as we go to him. And as we receive and his promise in scripture is when we, when we do that, we will not be put to shame. This is what Advent past is telling us in the present. The answers that we desire, the yearnings that we have begin by going to Jesus Christ and the treasure trove that he is. Because he is actually with us. Through his Holy Spirit, he is with us now.
I, I want to pause here uh, for some Q&R. If you have a, a question, you can uh, write it in the comment section um, or you can uh, email ask at semconline.com. You can text ask at semconline.com and uh, we will take your questions just for a moment and then I want to conclude here this morning. While you're thinking of that, here's the thing that once we activate our, our system two way of thinking, and once we know that Jesus is the primary revelation, that he is the treasure, we begin to, if we allow ourselves, we begin to look at things, we begin to look at life differently. And you might begin to wonder what else is in this room. If we have uh, some, some questions, we'll take them and then we'll conclude. <laughs> so I was uh, thinking about this whole idea of mystery, yeah. uh, which is beautiful. And I, yeah. looking through Scripture... We see Jesus all throughout it. Right. And they didn't, I guess the writers, uh, the writers, I mean, the people didn't catch it. Um, and I was thinking about that today, too. Where in our culture do we just miss Jesus today? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if you could speak to that maybe a little bit. Yeah, you know, and, and this is part of what we're getting at here. The, the New Testament writers, the people, the Apostle Paul, etc., the New Testament writers, what they had was, for their Bible was the Old Testament, and especially the Pentateuch. And they were reading the Old Testament, finding Jesus everywhere in the Old Testament. Jesus himself, the road to Emmaus, talks about the, 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 that fact. Today, as we're living... We are so oriented with our jumper, our fast thinker, that we're inclined to just fill in all the space. We need to fill in space. And we are inclined towards what Dr. Kahneman calls, what you see is all there is. And so we don't even open up space to allow for discovery and revelation. And so when we walk into a room... Rather than um, coming in with an answer or a projection, we walk into a room, walk into a space, um, expecting um, something to be revealed. When I come and I meet with somebody for coffee, I come in open, listening and waiting to see where, what is the Holy Spirit doing? What do I see in that person? And allowing revelation to guide my spiritual reality. And I see the Holy Spirit in the life of people all the time. And they may not be churchgoers. They may not even be professing to be uh, followers of Jesus. But I see the good work of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in their lives all the time. Yeah, it's good to use that slow thinker in, in our world around us and, and just look for Jesus. Yeah. Open up the space. Yeah. I have one revelation more. do it. Yeah. One more question here. Okay. Uh, do you have any specific Advent practices 
we can practice. Uh, practice waiting. Mm. Mm. So that's really good. Um, and, and maybe with that, uh, I want to address that as we conclude here. So do you have another one before I uh, address that one? No. Okay. So let's do that one as I conclude here. So some Advent practices, and, and that's good. I think um, we want to, uh, next week we're going to get on to waiting. This week uh, we're dealing with this particular part of mystery. So I want to talk about that. I think as we get into talking a little bit about practices, first, we can allow, let's allow the, um, this mystery of this divine birth, the Son of God glowing from the manger to, to uh, you know, capture our imagination and compel us to lean in. And then a practice, and we've kind of alluded to this, but a practice would be to be what I would call treasure hunters. Because there's more going on here than we even uh, acknowledge. I find shepherds. Shepherds came. Alerted by an angel. Wise men. You weren't expecting this. It's here. (laughs) Wise men. Others. So I, I think the posture is to consider ourselves to be treasure hunters. If we take quiet time in the morning or the evening or when we are going to be with somebody or even in the middle of the day when you're at home and you're isolating and you're, you're or quarantining, whatever the case may be, be a treasure hunter. And some of the tools for that, the acronym that I would use is, is AIR, A-E-R-R. Anticipate. Anticipate that there's going to be something in in the conversation. Anticipate that there's going to be something. Expect that the Lord is going to reveal something to you. These are the tools. So the practice in the morning, even as we pray, I understand that we want to just sort of fill the, the, you know, intercessory prayer and so on. But as we open up space, anticipate, anticipate and expect the Lord to reveal something. The other practice then is also to recall. Recall what the Lord has done. Recall what He has revealed to you. Activate system two, some more, and recall. Remember? Yeah, remember? And then retell. Tell somebody what the Lord has done, what He's shared with you, what He's revealed. I think we'll leave it there. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Jason.